Machines running and it's time to go. It's humming like a, it's it's purring like a sweet sweet angel. It sounds beautiful. Everything's calibrated perfectly now. My name is Matthew. I'm one third of the Spinecrackers podcast. Take it away, my other co-host. I'm I'm Gabe. And I am Paul. And, and then one uh, third of podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we are joined this evening for our discussion by a very special guest, uh, friend of the show. Mr. Nate Rankin, proprietor of the YouTube channel, Books You Haven't Read, which if you're not yet subscribed, if it's a channel you're not subscribed to, I was trying to make a Books You Haven't Read, channels you haven't subscribed to. If you fall uh, into, you see what I did there? If you fall into that category, uh, you're, you're just a dingus is all I can say. So, Click the link, press the thing, click subscribe. Do the YouTube things. Nate, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going okay. I... Uh, I did notice you guys didn't have any intro music for me. Like, what's that about? Oh, shit. Oh, you thought we'd play through like Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> if you, sort of you know, maybe music. maybe like a little bit of Chariots of Fire. Maybe uh, maybe some Rocky music. I don't Ooh, know. Chariots of Fire Ooh. would be good. I was about to ask, what would you want? Like, it's yeah. like a, a wrestling intro. Like, or should what? we have known what it would be? Yeah. Uh, Just by vibes. No, for real. What would I you mean, have wanted? Good, good opener. What would you have really wanted if you were like oh, a wrestler? I'd, <laughs> if I were, well, first off, I reject your metaphor. Uh, if I was a baseball player <laughs> walking up to the plate, there you go, right. nice, uh, like or a relief pitcher coming in, or uh, yeah, yeah, even better. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys actually always have the best songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd go with the uh, the theme song to the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. I don't know what oh. it's called, but that okay. one. One of the Deep greats. Cut. Pretty good. Um, well, uh, may, Matt might may very well edit that in. Actually, actually, it's yeah. probably, it might be illegal. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty fast and loose <laughs> with that stuff. You really <laughs> are. Every time Matt like actually edits a video and puts extra shit in, we get flagged. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> On YouTube, at least. Just mainstream top 40 pop hits all the time. <laughs> the most re- algorithmically recognizable shit. Yo, that would low-key be a great way to drive views. Just like have like the episode <laughs> name, but, but also have the timestamp where it's just like, if you click here, you can hear the new Ariana Grande song. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a good way to never have a channel anymore. <laughs> They're so strict. 
Can't that's just... what I that's what I go to literature podcasts for is the the bootlegs. That's right. That's right. The music yeah. I can yeah. just find on any streaming service. We'll read the lyrics without any song. That's what we'll do. <laughs> that's a good that's idea. Get literary. I mean, it, it it's definitely more insightful than anything we actually have to say about any of the books we read. So that's not fellas. True. We got we got to stay on track though. Okay. Sorry. A, sorry. Gotta crack the whip here. New New Year, new us, tight ship. So, mm-hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone watching, uh, a bitten from review bra. My new intro. We are discussing Ooh. tonight uh, the novel "If on a Winter's Night a Traveler" by Italo. How do we say it? Italo? Italo? How do you guys say it? Italy? You... Italy? <laughs> Italo? Italics? <laughs> Let's all. When we all say it, we should all say a different one. So yeah. I'm gonna. I'll go okay. with I. I'll go with Italo. I'll go with Italo. It's not so. <laughs> it ha- it has to be like in the actual Italian. It's got to be like Italo, right? It is funny that that's his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just Italy. Yeah. His name is basically Italy pepperoni. Italy is Italy. Dude, I already made that. I already made that joke. Didn't I already do that? Since I we said started. Italy. Yeah. I know, but you didn't. You didn't follow it out. <laughs> If it's good, do it again, dude. Anyway, we got we have so so we're reading If on a Winter's Night a Traveler, the 1979 novel by uh, Italy Cavatelli, and, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah. So uh, Paul, uh, whose pick was this? Paul, Matt, I forget. No, it was, was you. It? Wasn't I it was Matt's? It I gave like I sent three choices to you, Gabe. Over oh, Discord. that's right. That's right. And that's then, right. And then you came back with this one. Yes. Yeah, so, so this was sort so of a group choice. Uh, yes, much like uh, the 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 book is a uh, as we learned from this book, the book is a, a conversation between multiple sources. This yes. choosing of it uh, was a combination of multiple sources. That's so. what we call closing the loop. Synchronicity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so I guess then I'll 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 take the the sort of intro intro I guess since it was sort of uh, go for it. Uh, but obviously <laughs> Nate jump in too since you suggested the the book. Um, Good luck. Have fun. I know. Yeah. I'm. That's why I was hoping I didn't have to. You know. Because <laughs> by, 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 by way of summary, uh, it's a difficult book to summarize because it is a sort of a, a meta textual. Um, novel which has multiple like I, I forget exactly how many but like at least eight or nine I think uh, ten, ten okay novels. ten like ten novels within the novel not full novels but the, the the beginnings of a novel maybe the first few pages or a chapter perhaps depending um of varying lengths and it's the, the impetus for the the story such as it is is a a, a, a person identified as the reader who is both you, the reader, and a sort of character in the larger uh, through story, um, purchases a book from a bookstore, which is If on a Winter's Night a Traveler by Italo Calvino. And uh, it turns out that there was a publishing error. And um, I think it was, uh, there, there were, pa- was it, I forget what happens first. Is it pages are repeated or there's blank pages? I think it's repeated, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. The first defect is that there's a, a repeated page. And so he takes it back to the publisher or to the uh, the bookstore, and he meets the, uh, a woman there who had the same problem and brought her copy back, and she becomes the sort of uh, romantic interest in the through story, and it's a sort of um, ongoing 
you know, collection of uh, comedy and misadventure, as it were, where each time they try to get their hands on the actual book, they wind up somehow through increasingly absurd means with uh, a, a different book entirely. And those form <clears throat> the uh, uh, other books within the book, as it were. Uh, so that's what I got by way of like summary. What, what else? What else is important to add there? I think that's the best you're going to do without us just having a discussion. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, especially with something like this where, like, as soon as you start bringing up the details, everything is pretty much, as you said, metatextually laden with meaning that reverberates through the whole, the text as a whole. So, I mean, this thing is very, like, meticulously, like, interconnected. I was watching a, a there's this really great, um, like, old, like, 80s interview with Calvino it's like a kind of like old British. Let's let's explore a famous writer kind of broadcast thing. And why don't we do those itch. anymore? It's such a bummer. I know. I always have to dig. It kind of it seems like it has a hard end around like the night, like early nineties. They um, used to do it on British TV with philosophers too. They would just have like yes philosophers on and interview them. Yeah, just like them. Yeah, all uncomfortably sitting close to each other, just smoking mad cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it rocked. But uh, I. It, it's worth checking out just because there's a um, there's pictures of his drafts of this novel, uh, and it, he's got all kinds of cramped fractal texts coming off, and he's got diagrams and like so th this thing is like very very yeah like self referential and and uh, meticulously cre created. Paul guessed the wordle correctly, and I'm pissed. Good for you. I Paul. did. I fucking just guessed it. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> anyway. Every, everyone say Matt's stupid on three. No, no I'm gonna. Kidding. I will. I'll start crying. I'm actually like, pretty emotionally fragile right now about not. It took me five guesses, but I guessed it correctly. So. All right. Well, so uh, what what were what were sort of some of the first things that jumped out to you about the novel? Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about structure and the way that these sort of novels within novels are interwoven with the the, the, the kind of through storyline, uh, but. You know, first impressions, I suppose. Take it away. Okay, I'll uh, just... I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Nate. You're go off. Yeah. Oh, Blank okay. page. Let's write. Um, yeah, I had... Uh, kind of my big takeaways were... Um, like, one, in... I guess in my early uh, reflections on this novel, I feel like most of my reflections have been... Uh, more outside the book, which I think this book particularly lends itself to. Mm. Um, but like sort of my own like biographical reflections on my uh, uh, on my sense as a reader or on my, I don't know, particular reading journey. Um, so I'm interested to see like how much of the discussion leads to be sort of about the text specifically and then also about just our i guess personal reader uh uh journeys if that's not too have you read word. calvino before anything else uh i've read invisible cities uh um, yeah a couple years ago how about you that that's it invisible cities as well yeah. I read. Was, that, uh, was this book anything like? Oh, go ahead, Gabe. Sorry. I was just gonna say, it, basically, in preparation for reading this book, because I know this is like one of his most 
most highly touted works, I think, along with Invisible Cities, probably. Um, but I, I read The Bearing in the Trees, which is the, I just had, uh, happened to have a copy of in preparation for this. Yeah. I haven't read which any I liked. of his besides this one, but I mean, were either of those, was Invisible Cities anything like this one? I, I yeah. would say that, like, the through line between them is that they're both, um, uh, the, they both use kind of the, stories within stories model um kind of the like they both use in some sense like the thousand and one nights uh yes sort of yeah. model of literature which is referenced in the text a few times right yeah 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 i mean i think one of the things that's interesting for me at least i don't know how you felt about it about this compared to invisible cities map but and and calvino makes a joke about this relatively early on that he's sort of known for like just kind of wildly switching his style up like between books. Um, I can't speak to that a ton because I've only read the two, but they, they were quite different uh, in terms of, you know, not necessarily voice, but certainly in terms of uh, structure and approach. And um, I think one of the things that you get throughout, at least that I got throughout the, the sort of novels within the novel are that, that, that he has a very, um, he has a talent for being able to switch voice like on command because all of the novels within the novel to me read very differently. Yeah. I think they were all supposed to represent kind of, uh, you know, somewhat in Calvino's probably opinion played out convention, like genre fiction kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's super adept at, at making all of that really, really still like, it's kind of weird. It kind of undermines his point. I feel like a little bit while, while being, a beautiful showcase of like his versatility because like all of those like intro you know sort of first chapter segments to my mind were all like really engaging and i wanted to genuinely read more it didn't feel like a stale medium that no longer like had the the punch it once did because of how like advanced and like self-referential we've we've been getting you know culturally so i don't know you know what i mean did you get <clears throat> yeah i know what you mean did you guys almost feel like mocked in a way by by his versatility? Like I, I almost felt like he was, you know, by every new start and new beginning and new voice. I almost felt like, and then the abrupt ending of each, whatever each novel, I felt a little bit mocked. Like he he was like, uh, you know, almost He's leading you on in a certain direction and then cutting it off abruptly. It's like basically saying like this is what you want from this experience. But I'm going to switch gears and not give you, it to you, you. You drooling idiot reader! This is this is <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. For me, I I don't know how the rest of you felt, but I don't know if mocked is the right word. But certainly, it, I think it was intentional that he was trying to get you to experience what you the reader to experience what the character the reader is experiencing in terms of yes. the frustration of getting to some critical juncture in the openings to these novels within a novel and the reader being really frustrated at one point he's talking he's like the, there's a fun, like hilarious description of him wanting to throw the book out the window at like so hard that it like collapses the universe in on itself <laughs> like and and uh you know he's creates that feeling of frustration within you as a reader with these novels because you 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 sort of forget that you're reading a larger novel and you start reading another one and you're like well fuck i wanted to hear what happened in that one yes blue balls is yeah. happening on a very intentionally i would say 
So maybe not mocked, but blue balls is a more delicate term. <laughs> yeah, delicate for sure. Uh, well, Paul, you you said you made the joke that, and I, I had this fear, like uh, upon like reading the first few chapters, where it's like, "Hello, welcome to Italo Calvino's new novel. You are now beginning to read the new novel." I'm like, that that uh, level of meta is at this point now, at least in my like reading experience, very. Uh, annoying and kind of boring and you said it was like deadpool and i was like yeah, yeah it better not be a deadpool novel basically <laughs> yeah i was picturing deadpool for the first like third of this book while reading it just like turning yeah. turning to me while i was reading just like hey like, you're reading this book right now how do you feel about that yeah <laughs> oh you're reading <laughs> it's like a book that's how like oh are you you're reading me right now huh is that what we're doing <laughs> and you're like okay yeah. book yeah right, yeah but i, I think that I mean, from my perspective too. I mean, this is when this was written in 1971. 70, right? 79, I think. Nine. Yeah. I did not look up the history of meta ness in novel form, <laughs> but I mean, uh, a part of me does appreciate. Like, I, I I would expect that it was kind of a new, uh, postmodern potential thing to like to just like exasperate over and over throughout the course of a novel with that form of. Uh, meta narrative, so I, I definitely appreciated that. He starts with the building block, right, of the thing that's eye rolling, and then immediately complicates it and builds out this like intense, like like Nate was saying before, kind of like discourse. I mean, this is uh, basically a, a novel about novels and reading, like in their. I, I believe his ambition was like in their entirety. <laughs> like, so it starts off a little eye rolly, but I for, I was quickly won over by mm. just how how hard he went in the paint with the concept and how uh, sort of exhaustive he was with the angles on reading and all the different, from like the reader's perspectives to the writer's perspectives to the literal physical medium uh, of the paper and all that kind of stuff. Like he really just, he guts the thing and, and rearranges it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it became like less like, yeah, initially I was annoyed because I was like, is this going to be a, just like a cheeky Deadpool turn to the camera the whole time? But it, <laughs> he, he does like he dives into it to like every extent that you possibly could. So it becomes it became like exceedingly interesting for me. And everything, Matt, like, for example, right, like the, there's even the payoff of like all of all of the titles of all the books comprise a full like intelligible paragraph by the end of the book and all this right. kind of stuff. So he's yeah. he's doing things like that <laughs> with payoffs all throughout. And I love it. Yeah. Well, so Nate, you were kind of talking about it. like the journey of of reading the book and the other things that touched on. It. How did it, did you, how did your view of the book evolve through the reading of it from the beginning? Uh good question. Um I mean, I think I'm uh, you guys tell me if this sounds similar to what you were experiencing, the the sort of too cuteness at the beginning, like, yeah, it it feels very, like, self-congratulatory to, like, readers yeah. and reading. And, yeah, there there's, there's like, this heavy-handedness. I don't, I don't want to be, like, too pejorative with that term, but there's, like, a certain heavy-handedness. Um, the kind of... The kind of evolving but not finished thought, and how appropriate for this book, um, that I think I had was that 
uh, it felt like um, it felt like a novel that was conscious of itself particularly as like metafiction and that it wanted to be like more of the like like it wanted to be the canonical metafictional text you know maybe of yeah. just 20th century literature like it doesn't outright say that but that's like the impression that i get that there's this kind of consciousness of this book like because you know by 1979 it's oh i guess what you would call the full swing of postmodern literature and obviously metafiction is like a huge uh a huge component of that. Um, and so there is that kind of, in that historical moment, um, there's sort of this drawing on this, um, both this tradition of just like regular reading, but also this tradition at this point of like meta reading. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I would agree in the sense of like, it's, it's certainly, and this gets back to Matt's point a little bit that he's certainly like trying to bear hug a ton of shit into this, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like everything yeah. from, from, from like, like Matt has already said, like the various kind of genre approaches, like, cause it, the first novel within the novel starts out as a sort of like, um, espionage thriller. And then you get like, uh, you know, like, erotica and like all all sorts of different you know genre tropey stuff but all all sort of executed in a in a really you know uh in, in a way that feels sort of like a flex on like look i can toss <laughs> i can toss off 10 pages of this genre better than 95 percent of all of the genre writers are doing um and and like matt said we get we get this extended section towards the end about um, an author of one of the books that they accidentally get their hands on uh, and and a lot of stuff from his perspective and his struggles with creativity and trying to write the novel that he's trying to write. And he's, uh, you know, a, a very famous author and he has like people outside his house like trying to harass him about finishing the book and so on and so forth. So there's, yeah, it's very broad in sort of um, thematic scope. Like it's the type of book that like, a, a, a cringe and blue pilled person would be like, oh, uh, you know, this book is like just like a love letter to books. You know what I mean? Like that's like I bet like <laughs> nah, I, 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 no, it's, I guarantee you like ten thousand people have said that exact phrase about this book. You know? Yeah. I mean? No, I've absolutely sort of heard it characterized <laughs> in that way. It's a book's book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and I wonder, I wonder, Nate, about your point about to the degree to which it succeeded in. In, in that sort of ambitious goal, because like I saw, I was even today on on a di on a literature discord. Someone asked about people's top three or four books, and this book was mentioned like at least two or three times. Oh, wow. uh, so it's there's people who it, it affected profoundly, I guess, in that way. So I, I wonder uh, what to think about it in terms of succeeding in that goal. I want like, to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is my, is my right. Paul, Paul and Nate, you both seem to be. I don't. I'm not trying to make teams here. I'm. <laughs> I, but you seem to be have been more graded by it. Maybe. Is that fair to say? Mm. I wouldn't say I mean, graded. I I, I'd say less impressed. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. 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 
I think that Nate said heavy-handed, and I kind of agree with that. But I also, I mean, I, I'm coming into it from a, a perspective of like, I don't generally like meta narrative. I like a little bit of it. I, there's like a weird sweet spot that I like about meta narrative. Like I think yeah. that Percival Everett does a great job of that. Mm. Um, and I, I, but I do appreciate the attempt to just like go for it wholeheartedly, full throttle. You know, get all gas no brakes that Colvino <laughs> did but I'm not I'm still not totally sure if that approach totally worked for me but I don't know I, I watched this one review on YouTube where this guy said that uh it was the it, it made Inception look like a baby movie for for like <laughs> books which Inception? I'm, I'm going on the record. Inception is already a baby movie. It's for, a baby for babies. Movie. It already is. <laughs> it was a really bad analogy. I'm, I'm saying it was a bad analogy. No, it does work on some <laughs> level. Yeah. Well, it it kind of works on some level, but it's also like Inception never talked about movies within movies. It was dreams. You know, it wasn't that at all. This is a totally different animal. So Paul, that review. Oh, I mean, I, I I think uh, I'm definitely Team Paul in the sense that Deadpool is a much better analogy. Than <laughs> yeah, Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, than Inception. Yeah. Yeah. I don't totally know where I'm going with this, but like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, okay. I lost so, my train of thought a little bit. But. So to build on whatever the the, the problems or the nitpicks uh that uh we might have i um i think for me um when it comes to metafiction a lot of times like you're so aware of like the artifice of the metafiction that you can't then like immerse in the way that you would with a typical book so uh like uh one of the I don't know. One of the things that I didn't, let's say, immerse as well with was like the actual uh, romance in the story. And the romance is doing like a lot of metaphorical stuff, which is really interesting. But as like um, as like an emotional connection, it wasn't quite there for me. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a good I think we should probably talk about that because that's sort of the. Okay. Uh, you know the major aspect of the through line that's connecting you know uh the all of these other stories because it it's it's a you know romance the guy meets the girl at the bookstore they they happen to reconnect when they're both trying to return the same book he gets her number and he's kind of you know not obsessed but he's interested in her and he calls her and like oh man did you get did the same problem happen to you here's the new book i got which one did you get um and there's the there's there you know he sort of pursues her and there's you know moments of jealousy when he finds out she has another uh, friend and thinks that this she, is the mission statement of our podcast right to help yes help people uh, uh, talk a, a, an earlier <laughs> version of the podcast was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk about books book yeah. sells book sells dude uh, an earlier version of the podcast was going to be pitched and marketed as a way for people to sound smart on Tinder dates <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which it can still be used as. Which it can still be used as, yeah. Yeah. PSA. Um, yeah. What? What? What did? What did? Matt and Paul. What did you guys make of the romance? Because I. It, it, I mean, it was sort of one of those classic like, 
ethereal female character that's being chased through a maze and like is constantly oh. di- disappearing around corners and through the forest and things like that, right? <laughs> I have a. Uh, I just want to cut in real quick. I liked in my head canon. I referred to Ludmilla as the Meta Pixie Dream Girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's totally. good. Yes. That is perfect, and is what she is. Yes, and I feel much. like we do have to give Kelvino credit for like, you know, forming that type of person. In new girl just dropped. It's pretty cool. <laughs> new girl yeah, just new girl dropped. Drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree that the the like love story as an actual love story where you palpably feel, I don't know, the emotions of the characters doesn't work. But I, I, I again in this interview, Calvino was pretty like brutal with just like I don't care about. He's like a your your classic kind of um, uh, postmodern writer. He's like I don't really care about human interiority or like recreating <laughs> psychological states or any of that shit. These people are literally like ciphers. They're metaphors. Um, they're people that you can wear as a mask and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, I think you know whether that means that it's like an enjoyable read or not for you is is something else. But I, yeah, I think he doesn't really care. Mm. Um, about that well so maybe i mean if, if if the characters are metaphors and the and the relationship is as you said nate doing metaphorical work metaphors for what then right like what what's it what, it, what what's the function of it then if not as a sort of emotionally affecting actual relationship well maybe maybe like a metaphor for actual human experience but i feel like there was a lack of actual humanity in his writing a lot of the time but i'm actually torn because there's a lot of really great beautiful passages that he did write but i would say overall for me like maybe 90 percent of the way he wrote was kind of like impersonal and kind of robotic in a way i don't know yeah it's like it's i mean it's like fable-esque it's like very I, I I don't know. It's it's just very. I go back to the word artifice all the time. You're very aware of, like the artifice of the story. There's an ex, there's an extra remove there because, almost the language that he's using is meant to put distance, but at the same time, you know the story yeah. is I don't know, trying to do the opposite. Um, I don't know. I don't know about the opposite. Or I don't know. You're right. I mean, I the, the conclusion. I feel like you're right though. Like about the distance thing, that makes sense to me. Like, sorry, go ahead, Matt. But I agree with that. It was like I felt like there was a distance created somehow in in the writing. Yeah, I think with something like this, I I I kind of agree with that too. It, I did I didn't it didn't negatively affect my opinion as much. But like, uh, he is Calvino is obviously like wrestling with his own with himself. You know, you're you are you happen to be involved and he's created this thing to like pull you in to what are obviously like personal involutions of his own thinking, I guess, especially if you like that in this. I, 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 I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that I think Calvino has ADHD. <laughs> I'm in therapy now and I think he, I think <laughs> this is a great example of someone who has ADHD. He's going to say it. He needs uh, this is not medical advice. We are not medical professionals. <laughs> uh, whatever, you're, whatever you're supposed to say in the, that situation. I mean, you know, a couple, a couple things that I think just based on what the rest of you said. So, uh, you know, one, I think 
and this is not a problem that's unique to this book, but for any book that's doing that sort of, or, or any form of media that's doing that sort of um, meta, self-referential, sort of self-aware thing, it's this, it's this constant question of the sort of infinite regress of if you announce that you're doing it, then what does that sort of like absolve you? Does that like create that ironic uh, wall in front of you that no criticism can pierce by? And then if you announce that you announce that you're doing it and like how far back do we go where uh, to, in, in terms of how it affects how we view the whole thing, if that makes any sort of sense. Like I feel like there's this, there's this problem with these sorts of um, you know, uh, works in general, not just in literature, where how do you, or do you just not care that that distance is created, right? Do, does it uh, close the distance or abate the criticism to just say, here's what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing, or it should it be something like, I think, Paul, you mentioned Everett, who I think is a, is a good example of someone who kind of integrates this thing, this sort of, this sort of approach on occasion, um, in ways that are that feel a little bit more organic without the sort of like formal announcement that now we're doing a meta meta thing or I'm setting out to do a meta thing, um, and that, so that's one thing. I know I'm putting a lot on the table here, but the other thing is that I it, on the on the point about interiority, I, I I think it's a bit of a mixed bag because um, we do get this long section towards the end with the, the the writer Silas Flannery, and I feel like we get a pretty good sense of who that guy is as a person and what's going on in his head sort of on an interior level. We, there's a long section of excerpts from his diary, right? And I thought that was pretty well done just in terms of capturing the sort of um, anxieties of a writer who's struggling with a work and so on and so forth. So I, I, I guess I would push back a little bit, Paul, on the idea that it's all sort of this, this distant robotic approach. It's also interesting because there's like uh, it, literally a robot that writes books <laughs> in the in the story that I thought was a super interesting idea. Right. You know, the we talked about like, that on the yeah. Discord actually, didn't we? Subscribe to the Patreon if you want in on these amazing conversations. <laughs> amazing <laughs> that conversations. Crackling <laughs> with intellectual energy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know. That I was just th that's a thing that's in the book that plays a pretty large role, right? It's like uh, a robot that can sort of spit out. I th like this guy's work, uh, Silas Flannery's work, um, and do it really well and indistinguishable from his own writings. But then, and I don't. This is who I lost track of, and I wanted to know more about the what is it? The like father of stories. There was like a counterpoint I felt to the machine like AI book writing thing that was like uh, just a, a mythomane or like this guy that like lives somewhere and and just he he tells every story and he's like some mystical figure yeah Do you remember that guy? I, I remember i remember that the, the the phrase being used and i'm trying to remember I, I don't know if it was meant to be an actual character or kind of like nate was saying earlier like a like a like a fable like mythic figure of a guy who you know yeah like you said matt is is this kind of um you know storyteller doesn't know how to read doesn't know how to write but but has somehow been the origin of like every great work of literature that's ever been produced you know just orally well he's also potentially the creation of uh that that translator that i'm forgetting the name of what's his name maranas marana 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 yeah who's the yeah he's like the forger slash translator yeah moana right? yeah moana 
Marinara. Thank you, thank you. I knew it was That's much better. Samsonite. I was way off. Well, so, I mean, yeah, sorry. Finish your thought, man. Oh, I was just curious about, like, his point there a little bit because Marana is, like, he is, he is, like, the great deceiver the translator, the the he he's part of some sort of weird cult of the uh, the apocryphal or whatever, um, and mystification. So that that father of stories or whatever could be like uh, just another lie that that guy made up. But it just, but I think in in the reality of the book, there is the Japanese AI, right? That, yeah. Like, uh, it, it, well, is it ever so? There's a firm that gets talked about that's yes. basically churning out, um, you know not plagiarism and not sort of bootlegs of Silas Flannery books, but books that are written in so close stylistically and, and sort of plot wise to what he normally writes that they are written and printed as Silas Flannery books in Japan and sold. Um, and it creates this kind of, you know, philosophical problem about what is a, a Silas Flannery book? Like what is a book by an author? Is it a book that has to be, written by the author or is it one that is sufficiently close in style and, and sort of, you know, thematic concerns and whatnot. And I think it's Which a, is probably a little bit of a play on ghostwriters, right? Oh yeah. Well, they talk about ghostwriters yeah. too in the book. Yeah. Right? Like the weird act of, of you know, being an unsung kind of mimic, uh, and all the mm. kind of weird the weird like the weird kind of like um middle phases of writing and being a writer like something like ghostwriting or something like uh translating in which you're both kind of experiencing reading and writing like reading a book and also writing somehow at the same time without it being yours which i thought was an interesting like observation on that that act yeah. well even for this book too because i mean this is obviously an italian writer i i was actually any time that I know that it's a foreign writer, I'm always just like, how the disdain how good is it? in Paul's voice. <laughs> no, I, just, I don't know why I said it like that. But like, I'm always like interested in the in the process of, of the translation, and I'm always like kind of. I mean, for this yeah. book, I was actually kind of blown away by the translation. I I thought that like, I I, I at least pictured that whatever Calvino was trying to get across was coming across to me for our English language. Um, Shout out to William see, Weaver, yeah. the translator. Yes, thank you, Weaver. You weave a tale that is quite delectable. No, uh, well. <laughs> Damn it! Boo. I don't know who I was just then. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> that's correct, Nate. Thank that's you, correct. Nate. Thumbs down. Yeah. Thank you, Nate. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, I was thinking a lot about um, with Marana, I guess specifically, but now, but now that you mention it, Matt, the the the, the Japanese firm. Um, I was thinking a lot about Baudrillard, actually. Um, Jean Baudrillard, who's a oh, yeah. philosopher, and, uh, you know, political theorist, who whose book Simulacra and Simulation, which came out two years after this, which is interesting, because um, originally I, I forgot what, when that book came out, and I thought it may have been the late seventies. That sort of, but it's interesting that they, they were both kind of floating around in that same space. But Baudrillard talks a lot about, you know. Um, authenticity and specifically in, in the context of technology where we have like, you know, digital images and digital files. It's all, all by the way, very interesting right now in the context of NFTs. So uh, uh, basically, you know, read Baudrillard. And it's this question of, you know, what is the original when there's an infinite number of copies of something, right? Mm -hmm. Is there you know, do we just tell a story about about the provenance of a thing? Is it is, is originality at that point a 
uh, historical concept, right? How do we identify um, what the truth about an object is when it's infinitely reproducible? Right. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, and later in the book, he talks about a little bit about like um, text being so far in the past. He talks about like Homer and uh, I forget who else, but he talks about like like the value of something that is so deep in the past. Like, what exactly is the value of that uh, after so much time has passed? And I I don't know. That was an, actually an, an interesting segment of the uh, of the book that I really liked. But I, uh, yeah, you remember what part that's from? I did dog ear dog ear. I did dog yeah. ear it. Yeah, I'll try to find it. But well, yeah, th- there's there's speaking of Baudrillard too. There's also, I mean, these, yeah, you're, <laughs> these ideas do come in almost overtly too in that one uh, one of the fake novels. I can't I can't remember the name of the title, but it's about the billionaire, uh, who is obsessed with kaleidoscopes and and like these yes. weird mirrors and whatnot. Yes, like slowly kind of doing a synecdoche New York to himself where he's like, yeah. he's yeah. like, yeah. Right. Yes. okay, like I have to create model versions of everything so that I can manipulate, you know, and, and deceive. Uh, also, that alone felt like good Cosmopolis to me. Ooh. That's <laughs> Ooh. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Nate's, Nate's uh-oh, salty. Oh, controversy. <laughs> Wait, does Nick, Nick, Nate, do you like Cosmopolis? Nate, Nate's... Uh, oh, no, I could... For anyone who doesn't know, Nate's like the DeLillo guy on YouTube. I'm just going to say that. Apparently I am. The leading um, authority. No, I think the I think the comment I made to Gabe once was that uh, Cosmopolis is just about the best like post-Underworld DeLillo, which is not saying much because it really is all kind of bad after Underworld. <laughs> oh, damn. That's the mm. long run of not doing good stuff. <laughs> I, It's like there, there's a bunch of great like conceptual stuff happening but then you read the book and you're like well you could have just not done this you know what else i was thinking about speaking of like i don't know authors like known where the things are still events like this book i think we kind of brought it up before but like um this book feels makes reading and the act of writing novels and all this feel so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like insanely urgent and vi- of vital importance to people culturally, which is also something that's a sadly kind of funny perspective now. Like all of this thought around what to do, uh, you know, and what it means to write and all this kind of stuff feels like a very like uh, late, like very a lot more has to change before we can start having <laughs> conversations this urgently, like Calvino has here within his own book, you know. Because he was he was famous. He was like super famous, right? Like he was. Yeah, I think he was kind of like a celebrity writer for for a time. Yeah. And uh, buy all the pepperoni he wanted. (laughs) He had just had huge thousand dollar wheels of cheese hanging in his house. (laughs) Parmigiano Reggiano. (laughs) (laughs) He he. I, I was just thinking about the fact that he was like quite famous and and kind of during that like kind of in Europe it's easier to be famous I think as an author and uh, who do we have who's famous now in the U.S. that could be considered like a celebrity author? Bro, like Stephen a, King, come on! <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's good, like yeah, that's not good. even a joke. That's yeah. true. 
Stephen King. I've been I was meaning thinking, to do like, a Patreon Franz video about uh, Doctor Sleep, which is a horrible book that I'm fascinated by. So bad. I don't think Stephen King is a good author at all. It's interesting well, that he's you gotta, like, you the gotta, best American author right now. Yeah, you got to famous. You got to jiggle around the word good a little bit. I'm popular. Yes. We were talking about celebrity yeah. writers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was also thinking, and and because, and I guess because this is a, because I was thinking about Baudrillard, and Baudrillard references Borges, uh, and specifically some some of Borges's insights. The idea of the the map that is so detailed that it is overlaid yeah. over the land. Yeah. What is so that one? Tlon? What is that one called? That yeah, story? it's it's uh, Tlon to Bar Orbis Tertius. I think is yes, the full yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, the, 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 again, similarly, like similar themes about. Uh, you know, originalness and sort of uniqueness of objects. And there, I was trying to look for it just now, but I think that there's a, a there was a passage where he's talking about like the differences between copies of books, right? And how it's they're identical, and yet one is yours and one is mine, and and they have they're 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 not you know uh, numerically identical as in being the same thing. But how do we does that matter? How do we account for it? And I, I thought that the, that the character of Murano was so interesting because his whole, like Matt was saying earlier, crusade was sort of uh, about, uh, there's, a, there's a passage that I'll just read. This is from 159. Um, you going to start reading. I know, I know. We're running out of time. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so this is about Murano. Always, since his taste and talent impelled him in that direction, but more than ever since his relationship with Ludmilla became critical, Hermes Murana dreamed of, a, dreamed of a literature made entirely of apocrypha, of false attributions, of imitations, and counterfeits and pastiches. And and to me, like that just read as very much a sort of Borgesian like idea uh, in terms of, of you know, just, just conceptually at least. So I don't know. That was just another connection I made. Yeah, and like to a point, um, there's one of the other through lines I feel like is sort of that idea of um, like a compilation of falsehoods um, ends up leading you to something like a truer, I don't know, human or reading experience. Um, that seems like really recurrent throughout uh, this book. And uh, you know, it's, I, I, it's sort of bringing to light, I don't know if it's interrogating, but it's certainly bringing to light, um, you know, the idea that you, any kind of novel that you open up is to some degree a falsehood or, you know, a counterfeit. And yet, um, you know, there's that odd experience of it feeling truer or realer, or maybe you're just given insight into something that's truer or realer. And that, that happens within the book, you know, a bunch. Like, people people kind of stumbling ass backwards into <coughs> revelations or uh, intending the exact opposite with their works and that still creating, you know, either trying to obscure and illuminating or trying to illuminate and they end up obscuring. And, again, I think that's, like, all over the place in this, you know. Because I think, again, like, Calvino... uh was referenced in an interview for, like, the billionth time. Uh he was like talking about just sort of um i don't know we can't help but be but be human and and uh like illuminate things about ourselves through our behaviors no matter how like complicated they kind of get so i think that's another thing that he's trying to act out in real time in the book is like 
you can pile as many things and be part of the you know society for the mystification of all narratives or something and and it, it's not going to work like you, you know it, it will but it won't is basically i guess his point which is not super helpful but well and and it, and it speaks to this uh, uh, related philosophical question which is that if if a thing has uh, you know an intended effect right or 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 any effect at all does it matter whether it's fake or not so like for example like if you right. if you happen to be you know if you go to an art museum and have a sort of transcendent experience of of a of a you know some painting and then you later find out that what you were looking at was just a well-executed forgery. <coughs> does that sort of invalidate or change your your experience that you had in that moment? Right. And this 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 gets back to the famous thought experiment in philosophy about the experience machine, um, and whether or not there's something about actual you know quote unquote true experiences versus simulated ones that should be prioritized or valued more. And I think that's part of what he's getting at here with all this stuff about you know, um, reproduction and, and forgery and so on. Yeah. Like if you have a, a kiss with a, a hot AI girlfriend, that's a robot. <laughs> does that invalidate the experience in the metaverse? Yeah, no, that yeah. just makes me Ryan Gosling from Blade Runner. <laughs> I was about to say exactly. that's or like, or like that's Phoenix from her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Except then, Movies. you know, so you're talking to Scarlett Johansson's voice and you're like, I, we really have something here. And then she's like, I'm actually um, gonna, I'm dating Alan Watts. That's yeah, the end. I'm that's dating the, that's David the end Foster of Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, hello there. I'm I'm dating ScarJo now. Goodbye. <laughs> cucked by Alan Watts. <laughs> I mean, no better person I, to be cucked. I was by. just gonna say, I wouldn't even be mad about it. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. I'd be yeah. furious, bro. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Mr. Enlightened Zen, whatever. <laughs> Cringe. Yeah. To steal your girl more like. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, okay. So we're we're running up on about ten minutes here to the hour, um, and I want to be true to our new our new uh, our new self conception. Um, so maybe we transition into the the closing segments. As always, we have a shit ton more stuff to talk about. Oh, this uh, is like there's gonna be a a. a robust conversation once this episode the, the public version of this episode ends if you want in on that patreon i'm gonna get unhinged i'm gonna get unhinged on the patreon paul unplugged is always the best unplugged, yeah. unhinged paul unleashed junkyard dog so uh <laughs> 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 I, I, I want some fucking pasta and meatballs <laughs> <laughs> So uh, anyway, as I was saying, uh, <laughs> if you want in on that full discussion, um, which which will be uh, long and fruitful, head over over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash spinecrackers. Um, that's the only place you can get it for as little as two bones a month, mind two you. Two bones. And, you junkyard uh, dogs, you. Yeah, that's junk right. Junkyard dogs eat bones. <laughs> so, Not chicken um, bones, though, choke. That's right. My, I, my cousin yeah, actually had to dog. save my dog from choking on a chicken bone at our last family reunion. Wow. Uh, wow. The, the, the the, was it that it loved of a work? dog? I loved I love him. <laughs> he is a pain in the ass. He, he wow. He's the one who threw up on the on the podcast before. Oh, well, yeah. you got to save a, that dog. Gabe's a good dog, Dad. I'm a lover. I'm a lover. Despite how many travails th those things go through. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, I should just do an hour-long Patreon video talking about my dog's injuries. 
<laughs> anyway, I would watch it. So uh, at, at the end of uh, a discussion, really, this is the middle and or beginning of the discussion. But as at the artificial end of this episode for you uh, uh, masses of public listeners, um, great unwashed masses. That's right. Yes. That's right. Probably. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. If you need to cleanse yourself, subscribe to the Patreon. Um, we do two things. We give the book a score and we put all of the main characters from the book into that was clean. Whistle dude. for that me. was clean. Like that. that was good. Yeah, what the heck? Are you Andrew Bird? <laughs> so subscribe to books you haven't read for uh, clean whistling content. Yeah, baby. Oh, every nice. every two weeks or whenever I get around to it. That's right. The purest tones. I, we should just clip that and use that because that was that was nice. Anyway, Harry Potter houses. Now. This book is uh, obviously a bit difficult because the, the characters are sort of... There are characters, but one of them is you, the reader, uh, but also so he's a character. So go to the Potter whatever.com or whatever That's the right. fucking Potter thing Moore. is com and figure out where you belong. That's yeah. right. Don't act like you don't know the website. Yeah, you yeah. know. You all know. You've done it Was a million it times. Potter Moore? Potter Moore. Potter Moore. Potter less. UK. <laughs> yeah, more like it. God, guys, read another book. <laughs> more like yeah. Gart, like a uh, like armorer less. All right, we're what? okay. Okay, Potter, like I was thinking <laughs> we're, the opposite. Let, of, let, let's cut. Let's no, cut that. No. Let's put that in the extended. <laughs> I'm actually not going to cut it. I'm just armorer have a, less. <laughs> like a Potter versus like I don't know someone who works with steel. I don't know. I'm actually literally going to put a bleep noise over it as if you were cursing. Yeah, that was embarrassing. That'll get us canceled. That'll get us canceled more, like, faster than Joe Rogan just got canceled. It's not, uh, my, fault. It's not my fault if these hogs can't understand my humor. Oh, wow. And elitist on top of it. <laughs> Pearls before no, swine. just insulting our audience on top no, of it. No, I'm kidding. Great. You're all beautiful and amazing. You look fucking great today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, let's let's go through these here. I think we got four that we thought were worth putting in a, a, a Harry Potter house. Let's start. Uh, where do you guys want to start? Silas? Silas Flannery, the author? Yeah. Sure. Let's do it. Silas Flannery. I'm going Hufflepuff. Uh, why? Ah, why? I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> so strong at first, and then the reluctance. That's why that was funny. <laughs> I don't know why that got me so good. Because <laughs> that's how I really feel at the okay. bottom of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking know good shit. An idiot. Okay. All right. Well, maybe, maybe it was the. Uh... <laughs> Oh my god, I'm having flashbacks to Estel Melopone. <laughs> okay, here uh, we are. <laughs> Nate, save us. All right, so uh, I'm going to immediately reject all four of the houses, and I'm oh, going to say oh. that Silas, I'm going to say Silas is, uh, it's a squib, right? Oh. The, the people that are non-magical. Oh. Rare squib. Rare, rare squib. Squib. Uh, he, he's a real squib word. If you know oh my god! Okay, because uh, there's Whoa. like uh, the, the, there's like he's a writer that's blocked, and he's got 
uh, some, I don't know, like impotence issues. Isn't that yes. what being a squib is? That's, oh my God, yeah, that's like true. He, he can't shoot even, out his yeah. magic out of his wand like the <laughs> impotent fool. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. It's hard as I think you're right. I'm, yeah. I'm 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 actually co-signing Squib. This that makes total sense. Co-signing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a guarantor on that as well. I'm gonna. <laughs> I wouldn't say you're right. Like I I understand Gabe's like first initial Hufflepuff statement, but I think his reluctance was the fact that he's fuck a fucking Squib maniac. They can't do shit. He can't expel Yarmus. You know what I mean? He can't do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, well, so then I think we're all in agreement then, Squib, for yeah. si- for Silas. Easy uh, clap. So let's talk about uh, uh, Marana, the, the, the d- devotee of fake books and apocrypha. I he's he's uh he's on the he's like uh Slytherin rising. You know <laughs> he's like he's like I think he might be Ravenclaw. He's like curious to, he's just like sci- like experimentally curious to see how much like He's like the Joker. He's curious to see how much chaos he can sow <laughs> in the world and watch it burn, but uh, maybe it, it it it's lapsed into an evil, just an evil, evil for evil's sake. I think literally mm-hmm. that's how he's described, right? As like chaos for chaos's sake or mystification for mystification's sake. So that's kind of I had it both ways there, but I'm gonna say Ravenclaw charitably, but bad. Dark Ravenclaw. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's uh, that's plausible to me for similar reasons because I do think yeah he is very he is jokerified it seems to me oh yeah I, I mean I mean it, it could be the case that there's more kind of a, a larger philosophical like um, superstructure around why he, <laughs> <laughs> around why he wants to like do all these fake books and and stuff like that but we don't really get a full sense of that in the t- <laughs> Why are we getting the giggles? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap it up and pause. Uh, I, I agree. Dark, <laughs> d- dark Ravenclaw. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go with Slytherin on this because he's all about hard the, Slytherin. He's, he's he's fake news. He's uh, yes, uh, but he's ambitious yeah. with his fake news. That's, that's true. Just, you can't yeah. you, you can't overlook the ambition which he Full has. Psyop. World yeah. psyop. Fuck, I'm siding with Nate. There we go. All Hard right. Slytherin. Fake news is a good fucking key <laughs> it's a key statement, fake news. It changed the game for you. All right. It is a game uh, changer. So the the love interest, uh Ludmilla. Great name. Meta Pixie Dream Girl. Meta Pixie yeah. Dream Girl, exactly. So what right. is the what is the Pixie Dream Girl? Metapix, what is that in the spectrum of Harry Potter houses in general? Well, it's like Luna, I would say it's like, Luna, it's like Luna, Luna Lovegood. Luna Lovegood, yeah. which is a yeah. Ravenclaw. Yeah, Ravenclaw. So, she's Ravenclaw. I think she's Ravenclaw. She has all these books. She's like the the she she would absolutely have a Bookstagram account that was hashtag aesthetic. That has all, like all that up to a hundred thousand more subscribers than we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a million. Because oh, yeah. she's like yeah. cute, so she'll pose occasionally, and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> You read a books and you're a girl. <laughs> Holy fuck! Right. Oh my god. Yeah. So I, I I'm gonna go with uh, Ravenclaw. Yeah. Agreed. Any problems with that? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Gabe. Uh, he guessed right this time. So uh, good for him. Uh, rare, rare, correct statement from me. 
Rare, rare truth, Gabe. That le- <laughs> rare truth. <laughs> that leaves the reader, who is both us and not us. We've already done our Harry Potter houses on our Q and A episode, uh, so we're, I don't think we should do ourselves. But yeah. I don't know. we shouldn't do ourselves. I'm a Gryffindor. I'm breaks her off handsome. I'm the protagonist. (laughs) I'm Um, the hero. But but as he's depicted in the book, I feel like the dude is uh, a little bit. I don't know. I feel like he's a little cringy to me. Uh, He's he's puff. He's kind of trying hard. He's a puff above. Yeah, following her around, (laughs) constantly calling her late at night about books. Yeah. There, yeah, there's a little bit of like the I mean, because Harry's pretty cringe at some points. True, um, that and is he's, true. he's and he's Gryffindor. definitely a tryhard. So true. There, there's like a little Gryffindor with him, but I still think he's. I, th- I think it's like fifty-fifty Gryffindor Ravenclaw. Yeah. Ooh, Can we start okay. doing Ooh. astrological rising? Yes, I don't. In the cusp yes. kind of stuff, I feel like we need no to, rules here. Well, we've kind of we've kind of been doing like 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 bad or good of each house too like you can be a bad gryffindor and a good slytherin yeah yeah or like a shitty squib bullshit (laughs) cock squib like a really really cool hufflepuff yes yeah chad those are definitely real the rare the rare chad (laughs) yeah well, I mean, uh, if, if for you readers out there that have read Harry Potter, Cedric Diggory would be a cool Hufflepuff. That, that's a good example. <laughs> All right. All right. We got to get out of here before He's Batman over. now. Think about that. Cedric Diggory is Batman now. Yeah. How far he's come. So, yeah. so uh, for, for you listeners who uh, haven't been enjoying the last 10 minutes or so of us just pissing our pants... Uh, stick around or join the Patreon because that's what that's. We didn't like. fucking do. We the, didn't uh, score it. Or no, anything. I know. We I'm just. I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh. That's where we're going. Oh, I, I got, thought you were just going to end it. Abruptly. No, 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 no. Because no. I got okay. a few more things that I'm going to laugh for a long time about in this book. Um, okay. So scores. Uh, I think uh, I get to go last, or Nate. Not. Nate gets to go last. Give that first. Guest I always. Already did it, Matt already did it. Yeah. Shit. I'm going to go first. Are you yeah. kidding me? Sorry, dude. Yeah, I was not first. expecting this at all. I'm still, I mean, honestly, I'm still just like, when I when I initially finished it, I was like, I don't know what the fuck to score this. Book. All right, should we should we reiterate just because we have a guest? I know uh, uh, Nate is a friend of the show, but the scoring system. So we do we do Goodreads one through five, uh, one being like just absolute poop, and you, <laughs> and 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 your life is worse for having read this book. You you wish you hadn't read it. Two or one and below, really. One to two is some redeeming qualities, but overall an unenjoyable experience. Two to three is you know decent. It's mids. Yeah, mids. Uh, three to four, good. Three to four is solidly good. Uh, four to five, excellent. Five point zero being life changing, turning point in your existence, etc. Yes. I'm first. You, okay. Fuck. Yep. Um. Good lord. Uh, I have I have issues rating this one because like I have issues with meta meta narratives yeah. overall and just issues. And yeah. I have issues. <laughs> I got issues. <laughs> you got them too. I'm gonna give it a a solid three point two because nice. I really think that Clavino is a is a great writer and even though he was 
fucking with me and starting new <laughs> novels every turn of phrase or turn of the corner or whatever. Like I, I really, I, I dived in deep to when he was writing well. Um, but I did have issues with the overbearance of meta narrative that he was hitting me over the head with, with the club. Um, so overall I had like a real, I had a struggle with this book because I was back and forth between like, I'm struggling with what you're trying to tell me, but you're such a good writer that I enjoy reading what you're, what you're writing. Mm. Um, I just don't think it was very, I, I think I would prefer my meta narratives to be subtle. Um, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is weird to me. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I like it. But like, I like it in a certain way. Which is like I don't know what that means to me, as a person, as a reader, or whatever. But like, it 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 didn't hit the sweet spot of my taste, mm. um, which is interesting to think about for myself. Um, so yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. So three point two. Nice. All right, moral. Uh, I I had a very good time reading this. This is kind of more up my alley I guess in terms of taste uh, I was leery initially and I do uh, I guess I, I, it's not always going to be what I want to read and I could see myself slogging through this in, in different states of mind but like for whatever reason I was like game for something like this and uh, I'm just so impressed with like Calvino's imagination His he's a fantastic writer even in translation and uh like, I'm always a fan of a, of a good heightening. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, a really, like, Baroque heightening of, a, of an initial concept and all that kind of stuff. I just mm. found it very, like, intellectually stimulating and beautiful in parts and all that. Um, it is a little heavy-handed, but I love it. I'm giving it a 3.9. Nice. You, bo- you fucking idiot. That's bullshit. It's too hot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen. The uh, fight goes behind a paywall. Ding, ding. Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. about unwashed masses. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to hear Matt and Paul fight about this, stick around or join the Patreon because you can't stick around because this is going to be the end. Two dollars, <laughs> guys. Come on. Two dollars. Yeah. Come on. $2. Like, what? Literally, like, it's, it's, it's the price of a Twix bar. Less yeah. or mo- yeah. less, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't know what a Twix bar. Is. I don't know who your Twix guy is, but you're paying too much for Twix bar. <laughs> yeah, dude. you're paying way too much for Twix. I'm like, I'm like the 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 mom from, uh, uh, wow. You y'all know the meme, like the banana, the rich lady <laughs> banana meme. It's a banana. What could it cost? Ten dollars. You mean Arrested Development? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. R.I.P. Uh, Jessica Walter. F in the chat. Yeah, she died. Oh, She's dead. Yeah. Big yeah, F. She, she she died. Big yeah. F. Um, all right, Nate. Do you want to go next, or do you want the the last word here? I'll give you. The, <laughs> I don't I'll care. Get, I'll give you the choice. All right, you're last. All so right. uh, yeah, I, I I think I'm I'm kind of in between Matt, you, and Paul. I uh, I definitely had a journey with this book in the sense that I um, was definitely kind of like groaning at the beginning in in a lot of ways, just like you, the reader, like again, like the Deadpool thing, but over time and i just think the the <clears throat> variety of what 
Calvino is able to produce in terms of the plots of the sub-novels. And then this, specifically one of the turning points for me was this long section at the end with uh, uh, Flannery that we didn't talk about a ton because that that felt kind of very different than the rest of the book, although his diaries kind of served as another novel that you were reading. It it fits in strangely to me, but in a good way with the rest of the novel. and I, I, I sort of some of the connections that I started making to, you know, Baudrillard and Borges and stuff were were working for me. And I was like this. There, there's some interesting stuff in here philosophically, which is always kind of my bailiwick and sort of what I'm what I look for. Um, we didn't talk about the ending a lot, but I'm sure we will when we get into the Patreon stuff, because I think the ending that dream sequence is 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 strange. Uh, and I don't know if I was satisfied with it, but. So for me, it's like a, I think I'm at like a, it it may be like a dead on 3.5 for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, for myself, um, I'm going to go with a 3.39. Um, I don't quite want to give it a 3.4. Um, I mean, a lot of, uh, a lot of what you guys have been saying, um, a lot of what we've been saying this whole podcast, um, but uh, I felt, um, I don't know, I, like, I'm, I guess I'm trying to think um, how I would compare it to the only other Calvino I've read, which is Invisible Cities. And that's like somewhere in the mid fours for me, um, because there is, I don't know, it, it somehow does more with less but for me. Um, I'm not going to act like it's an objective feeling. Um, all, but, uh, disclaimer, all ratings here are objective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's just math. That's um, why it's a number. <laughs> uh, there were, no, there were a ton of, like, it's it's one of those novels that's full of really interesting ideas. Um, and so uh, those just, like, I underlined a ton of stuff. And so there's... A lot of ideas that I like revisiting, but I don't think I'd ultimately like come back for a full reread. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so a good I, metric. Yeah, and so I think that's why I'm, uh, I don't know, sagging a bit more. Uh, but three point three nine is what I'm going to go with. Love it. Well, uh, if you want to hear some of what Nate underlined, subscribe to the Patreon and listen to the full discussion. Uh, uh, Nate, tell the people where they can find you again. Uh, uh, books you haven't read on YouTube. Um, also, uh, I write stuff sometimes, and sometimes it gets published. So go to naterankin.com, and you can find links to uh, short stories that I've published. And you can find the link to that website in the description of this episode, wherever you're Hell watching yeah. it. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, go subscribe to Nate's channel. He, he does excellent uh, discussions of a lot of different books. Um, so yeah. All right, everybody. We love bye you. Bye. <laughs> love you. Bye. bye. Well, they do. <clears throat> <laughs>